Amen. Okay, declare it with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk by its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the living power that it contains. We thank you, Father, and we declare today that we are good ground because we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive. And your word is going to change and transform us today. In Jesus' name, somebody said, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 19, if you want to open your Bibles there, preaching this message on our day of visitation. Our day of visitation. Luke chapter 19 and beginning in verse 28, if you would. And when he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem, and it came to pass when he drew near Bethphage and Bethany, at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where, where as you enter you will find a colt on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of it. Now I wouldn't recommend you trying that with somebody's car today. Amen. Well, the Lord has need of it. Amen. But anyway, verse 32. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But, (coughs) excuse me, as they were loosening the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? (coughs) And they said, just what he said, The Lord has need of him. And evidently they said, Sounds good to me. (laughs) Verse 35. Then they brought to him him to Jesus, and they threw their clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. Verse 39. Some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, saying, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. They're being way too Pentecostal. We are Baptists. Hallelujah. We don't shout in church. We're Episcopalians. We don't do nothing in church. Praise the Lord. Verse 40. He entered and said, okay, that's a joke, all right? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. We are such a sensitive society. Praise the Lord. Verse 40. But he answered and said to them, I'm going to lose all my sponsorships for saying the wrong thing. (laughs) But he answered and said to them, but I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones will immediately cry out. How many want a rock taking your place? Not me, buddy. Amen. Now, as he drew near the city and wept over it, so what? Jesus does rejoice. As he draws near the city, watch what happened. He's weeping over the city, but listen to why he's weeping. And to a degree, I want you to hear this this morning. I believe there's an area where Jesus is probably weeping over our society today. So what? Saying, if you had known, if you had known, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, in this your day, every generation has their day. 
has a, an appointed time. God has a visitation appointed for every generation. God wants to manifest himself, his power, and his glory to every generation. And if we get caught up in the wrong things, we will have no idea when our day of visitation shows up. If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on all sides, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation." Then he went to the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Father, we thank you today for your word. Lord, I pray today that you will give, make my tongue the pen of a ready writer. Father, that your word will come forth in truth and clarity in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're a people to declare the praises of God. Amen who were once not a people, but are now a people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you, as you sojourn and as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So there's a conduct that we have amongst the world. How we conduct ourselves, how we carry ourselves. And uh, it's important that we do that rightly. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter two and verse one. And I, brethren, when I came to you, <coughs> excuse me, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but what? In demonstration and power of the, the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Look around our world today. For all the wisdom we have, there are no answers. 
Everything they've tried just concerning this virus, what do they have? They have no answer. We're just going to try something else. And we continue to double down on stupid, on stuff that doesn't work. So Paul says if we're going to live for God, Paul's saying here, the way you live is you don't hold on to the wisdom of men, but you hold on to the wisdom of God and you walk in the power of God. What does God need in our life? Look at the cover of your outline, if you will, with me. I believe there is an inherent responsibility given to each generation to prepare and give way to a day of visitation from the Lord. I believe God, as I said, God always has a day of visitation for every generation. God is always ready to declare who He is to the world. But the way He does it, He does it through His people. And I'll tell you what I told the men the other day, yesterday morning in this. People are wondering, how, how do we get to where we are? Because the church got caught up in the world too many years ago. We lost the battle in the 1960s, 1964, when the church did nothing about losing prayer out of the schools. We didn't rise up. We didn't fight. We didn't fight to keep it. We didn't stand our ground at that time. Then as all the other things began to progress, we got caught up in the world of living blessed, 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 blessed. We wanted to work our jobs. We wanted to buy better houses, drive better cars, have a better life. And so as a result, we allowed the government, well, let us take over this for you. Let us take over this for you. And we gave up the education of our children. And so our children have been indoctrinated by the world. And now those kids have grown up and now they're making the decisions and that's a transition that you have. So the enemy had a wise plan for over 50 years to raise up a generation to get them to go in the way they should go. It's called identity, value, and directions. They've given children their identity, told them who they are. Look at identity teaching that's going on today and everything in our culture. Once I control your identity, I can now establish your values, and I can get you to go in the direction I want you to go. We're, we're fighting a battle that would only be won in a 30-year transition to overcome this because you're going to have to re-indoctrinate a whole age group of children. And in that process, they'll live under oppression until a new generation rises up. And so that for the church, we, we've given that up. The other thing the church did while we were seeking all of our own and going our own way, we would rather pray in a president who would fight our battles for us. We did the same thing Israel did. We gave up the prophetic word of God to have a king. The church gave up being God's people, walking in the authority of God's word, standing, being God's voice in the earth, declaring truth. And we, we wanted Ronald Reagan to be our born-again president. We wanted George W. Bush to be our born-again president. We wanted a president to rise up and right all the wrongs that we would not fight to maintain. Are you doing all right? And then, then Donald Trump comes along, and he was more favorable to the church than any president we've had in a long time. Repealed the Johnson Amendment, got pastors delivered from being afraid to speak, losing a tax ID thing, whatever. <laughs> but if you want a king, you can't have a king in place of God. Israel began to fail. So what happened? Then they got rulers, evil rulers. Are you doing all right? So in that same thing. So you have evil rulership. Instead of standing for truth and watch for it. So every time God brings revival, he sends a day of visitation. And generation after generation misses it. But every now and then a generation rises up and say, hey, I'm going to birth a visitation of God into the earth. Are you doing all right? So I believe that's where we are today. 
This is what I mean. By this I mean that we can read and search the annals of history to hear the stories and accounts of what God has done and did in days gone by. But there remains a definite responsibility upon us to be a generation that determines if our history will record that we as well had a day of visitation from the Lord. I don't know about you, as long as I'm here, I want to believe for a day of visitation. I want to press into the presence of God. People say, Pastor, why do you preach like you do? Because I believe we have a divine opportunity before us if we'll seize the day and press into the things of God. But what happened? We're going to have to divorce ourselves and break away from the thing that we've allowed ourselves to be conditioned to walk in. Hallelujah. So watch this. Will we be the ones who have a deep stirring of discontent with the affairs of our day, the conditions of our society, the slumber of the church, the complacency of the righteous to act? A deep sense of awareness that we are the ones with our hands on the wheel, standing at the helm and charting our course. Are we going to be that generation? See, it requires an awakening to the truth and the reality that we can prepare the way of the Lord and usher in a day of visitation in our generation. But it doesn't come easy. It begins with us finding a fresh passion for the house of God. A fresh passion for the house of God. Too many people have allowed a lockdown, an environmental lockdown, a virus lockdown to lock down their faith in God. You can't allow yourself to be locked down by this world. I have to have a passion for the house of the Lord. I love where God bless you all watching. God bless you. I love you. Amen. But you can't have a substitute. It cannot be something that I just accept this as the new normal. You have to live by the true normal of God's word. Amen. So we have to have a fresh passion. A returning, finding a fresh passion for the house of the Lord. A return. Watch what I, I'll just use it as an illustration. And don't take it personal unless you need to. Hey Amen. If it doesn't apply to you, look at your neighbor. It probably applies to them. <laughs> okay, let's just do a survey. How many have been saved over 10 years? How many remember going to church more than once a week? I remember, remember Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, midweeks, prayers. Hello? What do we have today? Oh, well, I just don't have enough time to go to church. I'm too busy to go to church. I don't have enough time in my life. That's why the national average has gone from once every three weeks to almost once every seven weeks that people even go to church. Don't take it personal unless it applies to you. Amen. But that is, right here in our church, I'll tell you, right here in our church, that's about what we see. We see about a once every three week average for, the, for a, a large group of our church. We have a, every, every church has a solid core. Amen. It's the 80-20 principle, the Pareto principle. Anybody know what that is? That's 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 20% of the people do 80% of the giving. Amen. 20% of the people eat 80% of the food at the potluck. Amen. We have to have a fresh passion for the house of the Lord. A return to true prayer and intercession. Repentance and righteousness needs to be restored. And a renewed zeal for the fullness 
of life that is ours in Christ. We have to have a renewed zeal to live in, to know, and to walk in the fullness of the life that is ours in Christ. See, the heart of God has never been just to be in our society, in our cities, in our government, to be confined only to a building where people gather a few moments of, where people gather to give a few moments of their time to Him in worship one day a week at best. That's not the heart of God. That's never been His desire. He came to invade our lives from the inside out. The entrance He desires is into our hearts. Jesus didn't come just to enter Jerusalem and to rule over us. He came to enter our heart and to reign within us with all His glory. They were looking for Jesus to run into the kingdom, to come in and to set up the reign. And I shared it, I shared it on our prayer time in the mornings with those that are praying with us. And I shared it with the men yesterday. You have to guard your heart. And, 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 and I'll give you that. There's been a lot of teaching on the spirit of Jezebel. I'm going to tell you something you need to guard more than the spirit of Jezebel. Number one, quit giving so much credit to a demon-possessed woman. To declare somehow she has influence over your life. Going around calling everybody, Jezebel, Jezebel, Jezebel. Amen. You know what happened to Jezebel? She got thrown down off the roof and the dogs ate her. Amen. That's what happened to her. That she's in a good place. She's Perina dog chow. Hallelujah. <laughs> the thing you have to fight against is the spirit of Judas. You have to fight against the spirit of Judas. You know what the spirit of Judas was? Judas was a zealot. He was a religious zealot. And he wanted to overthrow the oppressive government that had control of Israel. And he wanted God to move according to his plan. He wanted God to fulfill his plan. To give him the desires of his heart. To establish the throne of David. And he thought, he is not doing what I think he should do. I know you never thought that about God. Man, this isn't working out the way I thought it would work out. We read it the other day in the Gospel of Matthew. We were praying through. Jesus told the disciples, he said, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. He's going to be crucified. He's going to die. He's going to be raised again on the third day. Peter pulls him aside and says, Not so, Lord. I don't want that to happen. Why did Peter say that? Because Peter's been walking with Jesus for three years. He left everything to follow the Lord. Lord, I've given up everything to follow you, and we've been with you now three years, and now you telling me you're going to die and check out? That doesn't fit into my preconceived idea of what following you looks like. So not so, Lord. And the Lord replied to him and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you do not savor the things of men, uh, of God, but the things of this world. You're not being influenced by the Spirit of God. You're being influenced by the things of this world. And you have to guard your heart again. Jesus, Judas thought, I, this is what I'll do. I'll force God's hand. I will tempt God. I will make him do what I think he should do. I will force him to set up his kingdom. Look at all these people just worth the whole city's ready. If there was ever a time for you to set up your reign, in my opinion... This is it. So let me help you. And then when it didn't turn out, 
Judas went and physically committed suicide. Let me tell you what happens yesterday spiritually in the church. We allow that spirit to come to us, and we have our preconceived idea of how God should be operating in our life, and it doesn't work out. We don't physically commit suicide. We go home and spiritually commit suicide. And we move away from our, we die to the Lord and move away because he doesn't fulfill our preconceived idea and purpose. Amen. So Jesus came to enter our hearts. He didn't come to rule over us, but to rule and reign within us with all of his glory. Hear me this morning. Revival is man getting out of God's way in his own house. Revival is you and I getting out of God's way in his own house. Not just this place. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the temple of God. Are you in God's way in your own life? Amen, Pastor, that was an awesome one. <laughs> what a hanky, I'd wave it. Glory to God. Man getting out of God's way in his own house and allowing God to have back his rightful place of lordship over all creation, but even in the church. It is man opening the door that he has closed on God with his form of religion, that is void of relationship with God and power. No power. It is less about our representation of Him and more about our desperate need of Him. We don't need to just be representing the Lord. We need to be desperate for Him in our lives. It comes when we take a peek behind the veil of our religion and discover that we have drastically underestimated all that he is willing to do in and through our lives for his glory and by his power. Amen. It is birthed out of repentance that comes from relying upon our own strength when his was so readily available to us. We need to repent of that. Father, I'm sorry for relying just on my own strength, my own resources, my own abilities, instead of relying on what you've made available. Your grace, your strength, your power, your provision, whatever it may be, everything that you have, your fullness, is available in our life. So hear me this morning. We don't need another preacher who can wax eloquently in proclaiming God's word. Woeing the masses, yet affecting no hearts with real change. Impressive sermons, delivery, lights, cameras, band do not add up to a visitation. Just merely another presentation. Unless our hearts are inflamed with the fire of the Holy Spirit, which transforms our souls and leads us to a renewal of life on every level, it is not a visitation. Amen. Our world does not need more fleshly displays of human emotion in an effort to invoke a response from God. They need to see people who have truly been with Jesus and have nothing to declare or display but Him. 
I like what they said about the apostles in Acts chapter 4. They brought them before Jesus after healing the lame man at the gate beautiful. And they're being questioned and, and being, you know, interrogated for what had happened there. And they said, man, we can't deny that this is a notable miracle had been done by them. And yet when they interrogate them and they question them, it says that they, this is what it says. It says it takes note of them that they were ignorant and unlearned men. They didn't speak with quality. They, they didn't say the words right. They're like me. They didn't even finish their words. <laughs> one person told me one time they could never do sign language to my message because I f- don't ever finish my words. <laughs> that was funny right there. Amen. <laughs> but they said they took note of them that they were ignorant and unlearned men. But listen to this. But that they had been with Jesus. But that they had been with Jesus. It's not a matter whether I can press people with my intelligence. Can anybody tell that I have been with him? That's what has an impact upon people. Are you doing all right this morning? See, hear me this morning. The world around us is deaf and blind to the truth of God's word in their lives. Unless he can send us in his power to touch and heal them, they will never know his love for them. Go with me to Acts chapter 26. This is so good. Acts chapter 26. Paul is standing before Felix and Agrippa. He's giving them the account of his conversion, getting to answer for himself. In verse 12, Paul talking about pursuing Christians and bringing them into punishment. Verse 11, or verse 12. While thus occupied, I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. Verse 13, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now, every one of us, look up here just for a second. You need to hear this. Be very careful. Paul was persecuting Christians. And Jesus appeared and said, hey, I take what you're doing personally. You're, You're attacking believers. But you need to understand, you're attacking me. That is my body. When we read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says many are asleep or die prematurely. They're sick and have died prematurely. Another part of that, because they don't rightly discern the Lord's body. How you bring reproach upon the body of Christ. How you act and speak against the body of Christ. Jesus says, I take that personal. Are you doing all right? So watch this. It is hard for you to kick against a goat. And he says, so I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Verse 16. But what? But rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose. I want to hear you this morning. I want you to hear that as the word of the Lord to you this morning. I'll tell you what God's saying to each and every one of you. If you're calling yourself a believer. He's saying, get up and stand on your feet. Get up and answer my call upon your life. Get up and be ready and prepare and prepare the way for a visitation in your generation. Amen. To open, to 
appeared to you for this purpose. What? To make you a minister and a witness both of the things you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Well, God needs a people that are willing to be sent. Amen. Verse 18. Why does he send them? To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. This is what I just, I'm reading this for what I just said. The world around us is deaf and blind to the truth of God's word in their life. Unless he can send us in his power to touch and heal them, they will never know his love for them. Listen to what God says. I'm sending you to open their eyes in order to turn them from power to, from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. Verse 19. Therefore, King Agrippa, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly faith. Woohoo! Amen? Hallelujah. So watch right. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 18. Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And I will not know the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Paul said it to the Romans. The kingdom of God is not in food or drink, but righteousness, peace and joy, and power in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Hallelujah. So we're called to live by that power. Paul said, I'm coming to declare the power of the Holy Spirit in the demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Are you doing all right this morning? Come on, God wants to stir something up. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. For it is the God, it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Amen? Think about that. God wants to work in our life. He sends us for this specific purpose. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus heals the lame man, the paralyzed man let down. And they say that God be glorified who has given such power to men. In Luke chapter 8, he sent them out to declare the kingdom. In Luke chapter 10, verses 8 through 11, he sent them out to declare the kingdom, healing the sick, and then tell them, go out in power. Go out and bring deliverance to people's lives, and then tell them the kingdom of God has come to you. Look at the next page of your outline. What do we need today? We need to be a people of sign language. We need to be people of sign language. The Bible says that my people are good for signs and wonders. We're supposed to be a people of the signs and the wonders and the power of God. Amen? That's what we walk in. Praise the Lord. Jesus said this. These signs will follow them that believe. Praise the Lord. When we preach on the battle of unbelief, you know what we do once we hear that? We start talking ourselves out of it. Some of you right now, well, no, I've heard that before. This is a good message. I've heard a lot of messages like this. Well, good. Talk yourself out of the power of God. Yeah, do absolutely nothing. Pursue nothing. I love you. 
Sign language. That is what's needed. Listen, listen. Today, they cannot hear, but they can understand the sign language of God's power displayed through the lives of His people who are truly filled with His Spirit and anointed with His power. God has chosen to speak in each generation through the sign language of His Holy Spirit. By doing signs, wonders, and miracles through the hands of those who awaken to their day of visitation. Which opens their ears to hear. How many know right now in the climate that we are in in America, you're not going to win an argument with anybody. You're going to win. It's going to take a demonstration of power. A demonstration of truth to reach people. God never intended for us to debate the world but rather to demonstrate to the world His grace and power. I do not want to miss, not perceive, not know, and not understand in this, our day, the things that make for our peace. I do not want them hidden, as Jesus said, from my eyes. I'm willing to make an open door of entrance for the Lord into His house, allowing Him... To drive out all things that offend, all things that are contrary to His will, plan and purpose for my life, all things that hinder, confuse, blind me from being able to see that this is our day and time of our visitation. Amen. As long as we're here, we're still in prime position to birth a revival, to usher in a day of visitation. Amen. Think about all the things the church has got caught up in, all the causes. Support my cause, support my cause, support my cause. I don't read one thing in the scriptures or in the gospel where God tells the church to be cause-oriented. I'm not supposed to just support all the causes, get involved in every social cause. We're supposed to preach the gospel, touch lives, bring healing, power, and deliverance to those who are being held by the devil. Amen? So watch this. Right now, When I was 47, God gave this word to me. I'm living in the promise from God that 50 to 70 would be my most productive years in my walk with Him. That's what I meant. In May, I'll be 68 years old. And the Lord spoke to me when I was 57, pulled out right in front of this church out there. I was getting out, coming in the church on Sunday morning. It's just like, just out of nowhere. 50 to 70 would be your most productive years. I said, well, Lord, I'm 47. What, what's up with three more years? Let's, let's get in. Let's, I'm, I'm here, man. Let's do it. I'm rolling in, man. I'm here. Let's go. You know what the problem is? God always has to do something in you before he can do something through you. You always think you're ready. He knows where you are. Are you doing all right? And so you have to be yielded for him to get you to the place where he can actually do what he desires to do through you. Amen. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited for everything God is doing right now and preparing for that and and excited to see things come to fulfillment. But watch what it says. Watch it. It came with no more instruction or detail than just that. That's all God said. So you got to go, what what does that mean? 50 to 70 would be your most productive years. Glory to God, what does that mean? You know what we did right after that? We launched the Lord's Gym. Do you know what the Lord's Gym has been? For the last over 14 years, going on 15 years, it's been the largest youth outreach center in El Dorado County. There's no other place that's been a safer place for young people in this county to go to 13 to 19, to have a place where they could go and be a part of something that is positive, that is a place where they don't have to be out on the streets any place else. God has used us to provide that for our county. 
Amen? So all these other things that God has done, along with a lot of other stuff, but don't misunderstand that. So what does that mean? The meaning, when God says that, the meaning is that in order to live it, I just have to follow, simply follow him. In order to live that, you just got to follow God. Just keep walking with God. Just keep going. Don't start directing it. Don't be like Peter. Don't get your preconceived idea of what God's supposed to do through your life. Just keep walking with God. Everything I've been, I told the men yesterday, the, the only way you know how to fulfill God's purpose, and if you're on the right path, when you follow him long enough, you can look back. And you say, oh, I understand. You had to take me there to get me here. I shared with the men yesterday morning. God gave Joseph a dream. Joseph, you're going to be a great leader. You'd be a great leader. Even your family, your brothers, your sister, and, 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 your, and, and your, your parents even are going to acknowledge your leadership. Joseph. <laughs> Glory to God. Goes out to everybody. God gave me a dream. I'm a great leader over you and everybody else. <laughs> oh, yeah? The brothers. How's that leadership thing working out for you, Bubba? <laughs> Beat him up, throw him in a pit. Amen. Smear blood all over his coat, tear it in shreds, send it home. Tell their dad. Dude's dead. I don't know about that dream. He's dead. And eaten by lions. He's dead. I'm sorry. Amen. Next thing you know, sell him into slavery. Then he gets there, and he's serving Potiphar's house. He's doing there, walking in his integrity, and then still striving to live in moral excellence and integrity when he's trying to keep himself pure and right before God, gets lied on by Jezebel. No. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and thrown into prison. Thrown into prison. And he's going, man, this vision stuff isn't what I thought it would be. <clears throat> but watch, watch, watch. When he's in Potiphar's house, what does he rise to? Leadership. Where he has authority over everything in Potiphar's house. When he's in the prison, what does he rise to? Leadership. God prepares him. So in order to make him the leader that he needed to be, he had to go to prison. He had to go to Potiphar's house to learn how the culture that God was going to use him in, how to operate, and how everything in that environment worked. And through all that in training in prison, and Joseph keeping his attitude right. We read it this morning about the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples up on the hill with Jesus. And after they had that vision, Jesus said, don't tell anybody what you've seen until after I've been raised from the dead. When God gives you a dream and a vision, don't feel like you have to tell everybody right away. God's speaking something. You don't have to tell everybody because you get out, you, you, you miss God. He says, you don't, you don't tell this till I tell you you can. Everything God shows you has an appointed time. God does everything in appointed time. So then when Joseph gets there, when he finally comes out of the prison and he gets to that place of leadership, he knows exactly how to operate in that culture. And it is a reality. God had to take him there to get him here. 
And so when his brothers come and stand before him and they're repenting, as we said, you meant it for evil, but what? God meant it for good. So walking with God is knowing how to deal with things in that area, meaning that in order to live it, I just simply have to follow him. Okay? I cannot plan it, form it, or direct it. I can only live it in complete reliance upon him to perform his word concerning me, just as he has done through every step and journey for our 40 years in ministry together thus far. So worship team comes back. Our day of visitation comes the same way. As a promise to be lived out through our faith in him for his glory, never forgetting. Ephesians 2.10. That we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Everybody look up here just for a moment. God has a prepared work for your life and for my life. He has a prepared work and purpose for your life, for my life, for everybody in his kingdom. We are fulfilling his purpose. He's not asking us, hey, what do you think I should do with your life? Got any ideas? Any say, God, heaven does not have a suggestion box. You know, right? It only has purpose. We're only called to his purpose. Are you doing okay? Paul, I've appeared unto you for this purpose. To make you, to make you, and to send you. Yeah, but I don't really want to be made that, and I really don't want to go there. That's the American church. God, I don't want you to make me that, and I don't want you to send me there. God said, but I need you to go there. I want to go. This is what God said. I want to go there, but I can't go there unless I can send you there, and I can go through you there. Every place God wants to send us is where he wants to go, and he can only go there through us. And so in order for us to have a day of visitation, we have to be willing to allow him to make us according to his prearranged purpose for our life, that we would walk out the path that he already ordained for our life. I look back on my life in ministry, everywhere I go, every path, every transition, just walking out, and next thing you know, things are coming, and just, and just going, okay, it seems right, just go, and, God, and, you, and you look back and say, well, God did this, brought me here, brought me here, brought me here, brought me here. Oh, that's how I got here. And the cool thing, watch, now the cool thing is, is that when you follow God like that and you can look back and see it, then you, then you know, I didn't put myself here. I, I'm, I'm not in the, I, didn't, I didn't assign this for myself. So if I'm in trouble, I'm like, hey, hey, you know, remember all that stuff that got me here? You did that. You got me here. This is your problem. I'm following you. I didn't ask to come here. You like. Pfft. So this is your problem. So I'm believing you for the answer in this situation. Just like Paul and Silas. Uh, uh, Eli read it this morning. There they are. 
Lord, you told us to go do that. We just cast this devil out of this young lady. Got her set free. These people there. We just think you praise you in the middle of this. Even though they've beaten us. If they've thrown us down here. We're sitting at the lowest part of, of the dungeon. We're sitting in the sewer part of the dungeon. We're sitting here in this field. And, and the squat, this just muck and mire and garbage and the stench. And we're just going to. I'm going to praise you, God. Thank you, Father. I'm going to bless you. Glory to God. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Paul, you're out of your mind. Absolutely. But I'm about to get out of prison too. Amen. 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 This is your day. This is our day. We will determine if there will be a visitation from the Lord in power and mind. It's up to us to prepare the way and to open the door. Stand to your feet this morning. Let me give it to you in a prophetic note this morning. We have a Goliath shouting at us. I defy the armies of God. I defy the truth of God in the world. The world today is defying the kingdom of God. Not just in America, globally. And God says, who is there? Is there will there be anybody that will stand up and fight for me? God's looking to raise up some Davids in this hour. Amen. Now I want you to remember that. Every time you stand up, every time you say yes to God, every time you say, God, I believe I'm going to be somebody that ushers in a visitation to your, of your kingdom into my generation. This is my generation. Take ownership of the day that we live in. This is my generation. God, I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see your will be done in my day. I don't want to read about what people did. I don't want to hear about what people are going to do. I'm going to determine what I'm going to do. Amen. I want you to live like this. Man, if they were still writing the book, live to get your name in there. Just get your name in there. One of my favorite scriptures is in Jeremiah. It's talked about Igdali and his son. And it just says that Igdali, he was a priest. He had these sons. But, but, and and the, his sons are being called uh, up into ministry. And all it says about their dad, that Igdali was a man of God. He got his name in the book. You can't find any history. Can't find, he just His name is in the book as a man of God. Every one of you men, that should be your desire. God, I'm your man. I want to be a man of God. I want to be your man. I want to fulfill your purpose in my life. I want to follow your will, your call upon my life. Whatever that means. I believe that saying no to anything this world has, I lose nothing by saying yes to you. Amen. I'm going to begin this this morning. Are there any men in this house? Are there any men in this house that want to be men of God? Come up here right now this morning.